0: Merry Christmas, everyone. You know, it's a, you know it's a special time when I wear a suit two days, two events in a row. I actually had a tie on until about three minutes ago, and I had enough of it. <laughs> so, My thoughts this morning are going to be brief. They are going to be simple. They are going to be practical. I'm, I'm calling the message simply doing Christmas, doing Christmas. In in the text that was just read, there is a phrase of reference made three times to the fact that Jesus was laid in a manger. We heard last night from our brother Dryden that in part what this signifies is that he came as a lamb, uh, the lamb who would be slain for the for the sin of the world, and there is great and wonderful and marvelous truth in that. There is deep truth in that, but I think that as we look at this text, there is there's also something closer to the surface for us, something that we need to notice and learn from. God, God clearly wants us to know where his son was laid. Where was he born? He was born in a stable, and his mother laid him in a manger. When, when we consider who the who is of Christmas, as we have over the last couple of weeks, when we consider that the one who was born is no one less than the incarnate God, When we consider that he is the eternal son of God, that he is the one who has been from forever with God and as God. The one who created the galaxies, the one who transcends everything and owns everything and is filled with majesty and glory and wealth. And then consider that we find him in a manger. There is something for us to ponder. Jesus was born poor and got poorer with each passing day. Jesus was born poor. He lived poor. He died the most impoverished death anyone has died ever. In the words of Paul, he made himself poor that we through his poverty might be made rich. Here is my main simple point for this morning. We do Christmas only when, like Jesus, we give ourselves away. We do Christmas only when, like Jesus, we give ourselves away. Please... Don't hear a warm, sentimental Christmas cliché in that. Please, Please don't hear a preacher trying to squeeze a moralistic principle out of Christmas. It's not what this is about. This is a radical lifestyle that God calls us to that is rooted in the Christmas event and all that followed. The humble self-giving sacrifice of Jesus for our sakes was necessary for our salvation. But brothers and sisters and friends here this morning, it was also necessary as an example for us. An example for how to live. We do Christmas when and only when Like Jesus, we give ourselves away. Now, I just want to establish that, make sure you know that's biblical, and I'm not just faking it here this morning. Over in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, we read these words, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but to the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. That's Christmas. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Have this attitude in yourselves. Do Christmas, Paul is teaching us by being like Jesus in total self-giving humility. There is Matthew 20, where Jesus says to his disciples, whoever would be great among you must be your servant, whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came. That's Christmas. Even as the Son of Man came, Not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Serve each other and love each other, even as I have come to serve and love you. John teaches us in 1 John that God sent his only son into the world. To show to us what love is. And if Jesus laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for each other. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is exhorting and encouraging the Corinthians to be generous. To give. To give of themselves to the Lord. To give of their possessions to the Lord for the sake of others. And then he motivates them at the end of verse 8. Going into verse 9 for with these words. I want you, he says, to be filled with the grace of generosity. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor. That you through his poverty might be made rich. What is Paul doing? He is saying, think about Christmas, not only as the coming of your Savior. How wonderful that is, and that's where we focused in recent weeks. But he also says, think about Christmas and the Jesus of Christmas as the coming of your example, of your model." We do Christmas only when, like Jesus, we give ourselves away. Many of you would know that one of the books that has most affected my life, perhaps more than any other book other than the Bible, is J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God. If I have a life ambition, it's that every person I ever shepherd as a pastor reads that book before they die, so you've got to get busy. It's a wonderful book. There's a chapter in there called God Incarnate. I remember reading it as an 18-year-old, and boom, life changed. As it described, all that Christ has given up in the incarnation, his self-impoverishment. And then Dr. Packer closes out that chapter with these words. These are, this is a lengthy quote, but it's worth it. Listen. We see now what it meant for the Son of God to empty himself and become poor, It meant a laying aside of glory, a voluntary restraint of power, an acceptance of hardship, isolation, ill-treatment, malice, and misunderstanding. Finally, a death that involved such agony, spiritual even more than physical, that his mind nearly broke under the prospect of it. Remember Gethsemane. It meant love to the uttermost for unlovely men. Men who through his poverty might become rich. That is, love to the uttermost, my friends. The Christmas message, Packer writes, is that there is hope for a ruined humanity. Yes, there is. There is hope of pardon, hope of peace with God, hope of glory Because at the Father's will, Jesus Christ became poor and was born in a stable so that 30 years later he might hang on a cross. It is the most wonderful message that the world has ever heard or will hear. We talk glibly of the Christmas spirit, rarely meaning more by this than sentimental jollity on a family basis. But what we have said makes it clear that that phrase should in fact carry a tremendous weight of meaning. Yes, it should. It ought to mean the reproducing in human lives of the spirit of him who for our sakes became poor at the first Christmas. And the Christmas spirit itself ought to be the mark of every Christian all the year round. It is our shame and disgrace today that so many Christians, I will be more specific, so many of the soundest and most orthodox Christians go through this world in the spirit of the priest and the Levite in our Lord's parable, the Good Samaritan, seeing human needs all around them, but after a pious wish and perhaps a prayer that God might meet them, averting their eyes and passing by on the other side. That is not the Christmas spirit. Nor is it the spirit of those Christians, alas, they are many, whose ambition in life seems limited to building a nice middle-class Christian home and making nice middle-class Christian friends and bringing up their children in nice middle-class Christian ways and who leave the sub-middle-class sections of the community, Christians and non-Christian, to get on by themselves. The Christmas spirit does not shine out in the Christian snob. For the Christmas spirit is the spirit of those who like their master live their whole lives on the principle of making themselves poor, spending and being spent to enrich their fellow man, giving time, trouble, care and concern to do good to others and not just their own friends in whatever way there seems need. There are not as many who show this spirit as there should be. If God in mercy revives us, one of the things he will do will be to work more of this spirit in our hearts and lives. If we desire spiritual quickening for ourselves individually, one step we should take is to seek to cultivate this spirit, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. We do Christmas only when, like Jesus, we give ourselves away. It's been a hard year, hasn't it? Boy, there's been stuff happened over these last 12 months and beyond that I haven't seen in my lifetime. In part because I've been sheltered for much, much of my lifetime. And hard things, sad things, brokenness everywhere, tension and conflict and fear and hostility and prejudice and need. The spirit of Christmas says we give ourselves away. We give ourselves to others. We give ourselves away like Jesus did. I was, I was thinking about this a couple of months ago and the, the weight of it was pressing in on me and in that process of reflection, I was reminded of Jesus' words in Matthew 25 as he was describing judgment day and you know the words, I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. I was naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And some asked him, when when did we see you a stranger or naked or sick or in prison? And Jesus said, in so much as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And I reflected on that and soon my heart was racing and Out of that moment came a poem-like piece that I've called I Was and You. And here's how it goes. I was a stranger, and you never befriended. I was hungry, and you shared none of your bread. I was born with nothing, yet into something you expected me so easily to become. I was without much that you had, yet you deny any privilege. I was born into privilege, and you prejudged me as proud. I was alone at home, and you scolded that I wandered the streets. I was schooled with mice and rust and peeling paint, yet you faulted only my effort. I was with no father, yet while condemning him, you ignored me. I was happy in youth, and you shamed me for my joy. I was black, and you thought you knew my type. I was white, and you refused to trust my kind. I was of darkened hue in a lily-white world, yet you never asked for my view. I was light of skin, and you assumed my bigotry. I was a look-alike, and you presumed to think-alike. I was Unaware, and you quickly judged that I did not care. I was angry, and you assumed there was no cause. I was told you were superior, and you wondered that I felt beaten down. I was, you thought, of inferior mind and worth, and you imagined there was no wound. I was Democrat, and you thought me entitled. I was Republican, and you questioned my compassion. I was articulate, and you wondered how. I was destitute, and you called me trash. I was dressed in blue, and you hissed at the pig. I was a sagger, and you suspected a thug. I was cuffed without crime, and you saw no injustice. I was badged to protect, and you cared not the cost. I was booked, and you thought you could read me. I was in the blue line of fire, and you ignored my peril. I was desperate, yet you criticized my protest. I was sure that it wasn't over yet, yet you told me to get over it now. I was homeless, and you passed by on the other side. I was addicted and pitiless. You scorned my weakness of will. I was with child without husband, and all you could give was that look. I was the single mom, and you thought a prayer and a smile would do. I was the unborn, and you chose choice before me. I was a minority, and you pegged me for trouble. I was a majority, and you judged me oppressor. I was rich, and you assumed my greed. I was poor, and you ignored my need. I was the one left out, and you feigned not to notice. Note to self. I say that I love Jesus and my neighbor too, and yet you are still over there where you have long been, and I am still right here worlds apart with little heart. When shall these worlds wed? When shall we hold the embrace? Can we meet at the manger and at the cross where self-giving love and costly justice kissed, where love was offered, sacrifice was made, sin was punished, and sinners were pardoned? Can we meet at the manger and at the cross where the rich was made poor, and the poor were made rich. And where every guilty sinner for whom Christ died, whatever their gender, color, class, or cause, can find a level ground on which to stand and a single Savior whom to love. Oh, my brothers and sisters, let us be making our way to Bethlehem and then to Calvary, and let us find each other there. The Spirit of Christmas is a spirit that, like Jesus, gives itself away. The world has always needed the Christmas spirit to shine, folks. Um, our world desperately needs it right now. We come through the Christmas season, we enter a new year, may God give us grace to be like Jesus. And to give our lives away, this is, this is, more, this is more than a, An occasional gift to a poor person. This is more than a few coins in a Salvation Army pot. This is more than a tithe in a basket. This is a life lived. This is is the ability whenever we meet anyone to actually see them as someone. And to respond to them in the moment. In a way that meets them in their condition. Whoever they are, wherever we find them, however much it costs, this is the Jesus way. And so this morning, a simple word let's have the Christmas spirit. Let's live the Christmas spirit. Being like Him. Who gave himself away? Let's pray. Father, may the wonder and joy that Christ our Savior is born, has come, has lived and died and risen and has been enthroned and is ruling and reigning, may this news fill us with joy and let us realize that it came at such cost. He made himself poor. And as a result, we are infinitely rich. Now, may we live like Jesus, our wonderful Savior and Lord. Amen.